Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have those of you joining with us on social media there. Uh, all of our different platforms, uh, you can see those, the Facebook, the Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube uh, there. So be sure to heart, to like, to share, to subscribe. Click the notification bell on YouTube there. That just all helps to get the word out. Uh, it goes into those different platforms, algorithms to, to help with that and getting that out there even more. So just want to encourage you to take the time to do that. And then also we have our phone live streaming. Uh, the phone live streaming, we can get you that number if you want to call the church office or you can comment there and we'll be glad uh, to give that to you. So uh, those are a couple, few of the different ways you can join us there. If you want to leave a prayer request tonight for our prayer time, be sure to do that on Facebook. Uh, that's where we'll uh, be watching and looking for uh, your comments there, so be sure to do that. And then also don't forget to go to our church website, highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there that you'll find uh, today's, this week's worship bulletin, not just today, so it's this week's. Uh, it's got a lot of the activities that are going on here in January. We've begun a new year, and so I want to encourage you to, to get plugged in into the different activities uh, of our church. So that's under the info tab on our website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Under that same tab, uh, you'll find uh, the children's worship bulletins there, so I encourage you to take the time to get those downloaded. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsill to my right. Uh, you can share the links, too. You don't have to just uh, download them. And then also... Uh, we've got our prayer list uh, that you can download that's also under that info tab there. You'll definitely want that as we've added several uh, to the prayer list this week, and there may be others that we need to give updates on uh, as we go through tonight also. And then while you're there on our church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, you can do your online giving there. You can do your regular offering. You can also do your, your Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And by the way, Miss Rima. We have exceeded our goal by a whole lot. We'll be telling Sunday uh, exactly how much that total is. When we get the officials from Pat, uh, Amy's given me her totals. Uh, she said that that's not Pat's totals yet, though. Uh, so there may be just a tad more uh, to that. But it's quite significantly above uh, our goal, and we just praise the Lord for that. But you can still give to that if you've not done that uh, yet either. Uh, so just thank you so much for those who did give to help us to, to reach that goal of 7,200. I think that's it and all the announcements that I've had. I've wasted enough time to get everything back on the screen uh, here as, as we move things around. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Brother Jim, you did good because that big blue screen of death that you see on the computer is not good. So let's meet at the cross tonight, 139. We're going to sing the first, second, and fifth verse, Ben.
times. <laughs> All right, hopefully at home, you've had a moment to uh, get everything downloaded there with your prayer list so that you at least have uh, a digital copy there. Hopefully in person, you've gotten a paper copy. Uh, if you've not gotten a paper copy, please let me know. And we'll be glad to come around and to give you one. I think everybody has gotten one. So as you come on. As you have your prayer list there, I have several here in front of me, so I'm trying to keep up with the different ones uh, that I do have because I've got some updates to give to you on some individuals. Uh, you'll find uh, this one online there, January 4th. Uh, you should have the January 4th one in your hands, but there are a few things I jotted down on on last week's uh, to give you some updates uh, also. So, um, I can get my Wi-Fi to connect there. Uh, we've added some of these to our prayer list. Uh, if you'll notice on the HBC family, the Highland Baptist Church family, uh, we do want to continue to remember uh, uh, Diane Tatum. Uh, she uh, had surgery, and uh, let me just give you some of the update. Uh, there are several that are in the, the prayer group there of how things uh, were shared and, and updated on uh, from from uh, Ken. Uh, it said that her surgery um, this was finished yesterday. The doctor called and said they found some ruptures that didn't show up in the previous images uh, that they could fix, and they think that's going to make a huge difference. Then this morning, uh, PT physical therapy uh, got her up walking uh, and down the hall with her walker. Minimal pain, no shooting down pain down her legs, uh, and the PT. Uh, the physical therapist was uh, impressed uh, with that and so we just praise the Lord uh, for that and for how well she is doing just pray that she continues uh, down that same path and doing uh, well there and so uh, we have her on the prayer list there but just wanted to give you the update on her uh, I don't know with Jack Dowd I know he's had uh, some issues with COVID he's also got an upcoming surgery but they've not scheduled that yet the last that we talked but he does have some back pain so we do want to remember him uh, in our prayers, and I hope I'm not going to get issues tonight with my message here. <laughs> right uh, we also have uh, David Hess. He's starting his uh, chemo, so I want to keep him in prayer. And then also uh, Steve Connor is going to be having carpal tunnel uh, surgery as well as on the lunar, I think, at lumbar, whatever the, the particular piece is here. Uh, he's going to be having surgery on that tomorrow, uh, so we want to keep him uh, in our prayers uh, with that. Uh, you'll notice on down in the nursing home uh, assisted living section there, Susie Barton is listed there at NHC Tullahoma. She is not at NHC Tullahoma, uh, but she was uh, elsewhere, and they have put her back into the hospital, uh, so she is in the hospital right now. Uh, the hope is, is that they'll have an opening back at NHC uh, for her to have uh, physical therapy there, the skilled treatment there, and then eventually to move her to Morning Point. So just pray that everything works out there. Uh, pray for Eddie and, and the family there with all that and all that's going on uh, with that. I just want to continue to uplift him and her 
uh, remember Susie there in your prayers, his mom. Uh, and then you'll notice over on the friends and family list, we've got several that we've updated uh, some things on. Uh, David Wall there, uh, and I'll share his in just a moment when I share some of these other pastors' uh, requests that were given to us to, to share and to ask prayer for. Uh, then also, uh, Steve Maybe. Uh, Steve, uh, I believe he was also going to be starting some treatments. Is that right? Okay, so he's going to MD Anderson next week. So keep him in your prayers. Uh, continue to remember Don Allred uh, in your prayers. And then uh, Phyllis Bowman, uh, who's a friend of Bob and Joanne Foglius, uh, pray for her mobility. She has some medical issues. That's a new one that we've added uh, to the list. Uh, also remember Stephanie and Cody Kohler, Stephanie's uncle, uh, passed away. This is Pastor Matt's brother and sister-in-law. Uh, it's her uh, uncle who passed away, and so we want to remember them in prayer. And then also uh, there's a couple of others that are listed there as pastors, and so I just want to share from the email uh, that was given to us uh, from, Pastor, from Brother Mark, uh, who is our director of missions uh, for the association. Uh, and uh, remembering those in prayer. So David Wall, if many of you know, we've had him on the prayer list because of a, a stroke that he had uh, back in November. He's been recovering from that, but they discovered that he does have some blockages, and so he's going to have to have open-heart surgery uh, for three bypasses and a valve to be replaced also. That's going to be on January the 13th uh, at Vanderbilt. So remember him in prayer. Another one of our pastors, Jason Ramsey, who is the pastor at uh, Center Grove, uh, as you're going on the old Tullahoma Highway toward Winchester, where it cuts off to the lake there uh, on AWALT, uh, that church that sits in the curve right there before the, the elementary school on the left. Uh, he was actually slated to leave there as the pastor of Center Grove on December the 18th. Uh, and then on the 9th, though, he went to the ER, uh, and two days later, he was taken to Vanderbilt and Nashville. Uh, he has multiple serious issues, kidney failure, pneumonia, uh, he's on a ventilator and more. Uh, all that has been triggered by an autoimmune uh, issue that he's been fighting for several years. Uh, he's been in a catatonic state most of the time, uh, and he has been showing some signs of improvement uh, the past three days, but still has a long way to go, and this was given to us uh, this past Monday. And so just want to make you aware uh, of that. And then also... Um, there's a few others uh, that we want to ask you to pray for. One we've added to our list also. We had been praying for Jason and Laura Curtis. Laura's the one who uh, was having the issues with losing her hand, possibly her arm, and then she did pass away. Uh, they've asked us to continue to lift up Jason, uh, who is the pastor at Liberty Baptist, uh, in the loss of his wife, uh, and just some issues that go along uh, with that. And there's a couple of other issues that some of our pastors are are struggling with and facing too. So we just want to remember all of those uh, in our prayers. And then I did want to give you an update also on uh, uh, Katie Jo Bailey. Uh, the last update that they've given on their caregiver website, uh, it, caregiving website is uh, that she was, and this is from back in December, uh, that she was doing well overall. Uh, she continues physical therapy to try to stay moving. Uh, it also helps with bone strengthening. Uh, some days she can do non-weight bearing treadmill some days she just does work on a flat table uh, with her um, physical therapy. Uh, but her physical therapy, her therapist uh, was impressed with how well she was doing with no 
uh, with, with the things that she's doing. So uh, Kelsey, who, her, who is her physical therapist, has been a huge blessing to them and uh, they just continue to ask uh, for prayers. They have praises uh, that God is their refuge uh, and uh, for the, the accommodations that they do have there that they can uh, have there in Memphis. Also pray, praises for the side effects uh, that have subsided from some of the medications and things she's been on and the physical therapy to be something she can continue. Uh, but then also prayers that her ankles, uh, that they, will still, they still seem to be fractured. Uh, she has knee pain as well as hip and elbow pain from those fractures and prayers for those traveling from St. Jude to home uh, during the holidays and back and forth. So just wanted to share those updates that I did have with those. Any other updates or prayer requests uh, that we need to add uh, tonight? Great. So we'll take Robert Sims uh, off the prayer list there. Things are going great. Uh, his cancer's cleared up, and so we praise the Lord for that. Any others? Any other updates? We do want to add uh, Samantha's uh, sister's husband, uh, Dennis uh, McCullough, uh, to your prayers. Uh, he had a stroke what, about a week ago, Christmas Eve, uh, and uh, still in the hospital. Uh, still hasn't got to come home yet. Uh, but um, I forget. Yeah, two blood clots on the brain, and so just want to remember uh, them in prayer. They live out in north northwestern Mississippi, just south of of uh, uh, Memphis there, and so uh, we want to uplift those them in prayer also any other updates or any other prayer requests and again that's Dennis McCullough uh, and her sister Sherry is there any I don't see any on Facebook okay an unspoken Maybe there are some other unspoken. Maybe you at home have some uh, also. If you do, as we said, have any prayer requests, be sure to share them there on Facebook. That's where we'll see them live. Uh, but you can send those to us in any way that you need to. Uh, we want to uplift you in prayer and the needs that you have uh, in your prayers uh, also. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for these requests uh, that we have uh, here tonight that we've mentioned, as well as the updates uh, that we've gone over. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, just continue to have your hands upon us in a, in a mighty way. Lord, we know that we are not always where we need to be in our heart and our relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of any sin that we might have in our lives, Lord, that you would uh, wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood uh, of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way uh, and your will in our lives. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will stir our hearts to draw closer to you than ever before. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, just uh, continue, Lord, to, to uh, lead us and guide us uh, with your word and with your truth uh, each and every day. Father, we pray that uh, your holy hand uh, will be upon us. 
And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, just let your word be that lamp uh, unto our path uh, that will lead us and guide us in making uh, right decisions in everything uh, that we do in all that we say. And so, Father, we just want to come before you with clean hearts, so cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers uh, for each one of these that we're mentioning tonight. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, just have your hand upon each one of them. We know, Lord, that uh, your grace and your mercy is sufficient uh, for all of our needs. And so we pray, God, that you will uh, meet the needs of each one of these. Uh, Father, that you will uh, touch them and bring the physical healing that they need. Uh, but, Father, we pray that also uh, you will just continue to uh, walk with them through the difficult things that they're going through. And so, Lord, if, if it be your will that they continue uh, to go through these things, Lord, we pray that uh, you will see them through, that you will walk faithfully with them, help them safely through uh, to the other side. And, Father, we pray for their family members who are walking with them through these uh, various experiences. And, Father, we just pray that you will strengthen them and encourage them and, and wrap your loving arms around them and let them know, God, that you are with them. Uh, Father, I pray that you will... Uh, just uh, continue to upgird them, and, and Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for all of their needs, so we do ask for you to pour out your grace and your mercy uh, upon them uh, even now. Uh, so, Father, we pray that you will uh, just continue to uh, be with us in whatever way that we can to be an encouragement to these individuals, to uh, be there to minister to them, to say encouraging words to them, just our presence, Lord, uh, even there. As many of these, Lord, uh, we just, we, that's the only thing we can do, uh, Lord, is to, to just offer that presence there uh, with them, to remind them that you are with them. And so, Father, I pray that you will use these things that they're going through to be a witness and a testimony uh, of your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. And, Father, I pray that uh, as you do so, uh, Father, may you uh, just continue to be glorified and honored through uh, all of these experiences. Father, we pray for those who have lost loved ones and just pray, God, that you'll continue to encourage them and send your Holy Spirit to be a comfort uh, to their hearts. Father, we pray that uh, your will will be done in their lives. And Lord, we just pray uh, that you will continue to be with us as a church as we are in this new year. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you will lead us and guide us in everything we should be doing and all that you would have us to do. We just give you the glory and the honor for where we are and for where you're leading us to. And Father, we just expectantly look forward to the great and mighty things that 2023 is going to bring for us as we seek to follow you uh, in, in our hearts, uh, in obeying you and loving you. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be with us tonight as we study your word uh, here in the book of Hosea. And Father, I pray that your word will come alive, that it'll be powerful, that it'll speak truth into the life situations around us and within us. And Father, that it will give us guidance and encouragement uh, for the days ahead uh, to be equipped with your word to minister to people around us through the difficult things they go through. So bless your word tonight. Uh, may it go forth and not return void. Help us to hear it, to read it, and also to keep it. And we ask these blessings in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Hosea chapter 1 and verse 11 we're going to begin as we finished our study through the book of revelation uh, we're beginning a new uh, series here uh, tonight uh, in the book of hosea we're going to be actually uh, here for most of the year looking at some of the minor prophets uh, so we're going to be looking at things like 
uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, some of those books that maybe we've never read before, or maybe we have because we read that book to say, I've read a book in the Bible, <laughs> because it's only a, a chapter or two. Uh, well, we're going to learn about that a little bit also, but I've entitled this message tonight, The Greatest Love Story, and you're going to understand why as we get into this passage. It is a very powerful uh, illustration here as we're going to see that God gives to the people of Israel and that he gives to us uh, that is applicable to our day and to our time. And so uh, as we get into this, I just want to begin, uh, if you will, with verse 1 uh, here in Hosea chapter 1 uh, as we look at this love story, the greatest love story. And it begins this way in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 1 and says, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea the son of Barry, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now, you may think, what in the world? That doesn't even sound like a love story, does it? Well, it doesn't. What they're doing, what Hosea's doing, is giving us here the time frame. We'll look at that in just a moment also. But all of us love uh, a love story. You know, romance novels are uh, always on the bestseller list because everybody loves to read uh, a love story. Uh, I know Miss Diane Tatum that we mentioned on our prayer list, uh, she writes some Christian-type uh, love stories also, and I encourage you to read uh, some of her books that she has. Uh, you can find those on Amazon if you look there. Uh, but, uh, you know, romance love stories, and they're from a Christian perspective. And so uh, romance novels are always uh, there because people like love stories. You know, movies that have love stories as their theme. Uh, they sell in the millions because everybody loves a love story. Unfortunately, what most, much of what people in the world today call a love story is really a lust story. Uh, and so I want to tell you here as we get into this, we're going to share with you this love story uh, here in this passage, in this, in this book, uh, over the next several weeks. It's a love story here that comes from the pages of the Bible, from the book uh, of Hosea. Uh, it tells one of the greatest love stories ever told. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, as we mentioned, the last 12 books are known as the Minor Prophets. It begins with Hosea, and it goes all the way to Malachi. Uh, it's something, though, of a misnamed section when we call them the Minor Prophets, because some people wonder, why are they minor? Are they minor because they're not as important? Uh, are they minor because of the various things? They're only minor because their books are shorter. Uh, their message uh, is, is just as important as any of the major prophets are. Uh, and so the reason they're called minor prophets is that for the most part, these books are not lengthy, uh, like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel uh, or those books. Uh, these are more, fewer chapters, uh, less to read here. Uh, and so the message, though, in every one of these is a major message, but it's found in, in more brevity than in some of the other books. The first of these minor prophets is the man named Hosea. Now, we don't know a great deal about Hosea. We do know that his name means salvation, Hosea. Uh, and so we do know that we, we have the background given us uh, right here. Uh, but we really don't know a great deal about Hosea as an individual. Hosea was a man who was chosen by the Lord uh, to give a message to Israel, which has given him the title uh, through the years of the prophet of love. 
Uh, probably no one in all of the Old Testament, no preacher that God ever used has ever come uh, to comprehend and understand and to enter into the wonderful love that God has for fallen man as did this man, Hosea. Uh, the way Hosea found out about the love of God was brought about through a personal experience in his life which was heartbreaking to say the least. Uh, he found out not only that he was the prophet of love, but he was also the prophet of a broken heart. Uh, he came to understand the love of God by this heartbreaking experience in his own life. And so he came to understand how God broke, uh, how the love of God uh, broke God's own heart as well. And so the Bible says, uh, we know that sin breaks the law of God. And the Bible says that sin is transgression of the law. Sin is a violation of God's law. It's rebellion against God's law. It's literally like a spit in the face of God. It strikes at the very heart of God. Because sin breaks God's law, but sin is also against God's love. It breaks his law, but it also breaks his heart. Now, this man Hosea came to have experientially some understanding of what the love of God was all about. And so why are we studying this book, I mean, that was written so many centuries ago? Well, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Uh, that means that God has a message for us in every page of the Bible and in all of the books of the Bible, uh, wherever they are in the Bible, that's because it's the word of God. And so no matter if you're reading in Leviticus, sometimes we get bored with all the Levitical laws there. There's a message there for us also, just like there's a message here in these minor prophets and a message here in the book of Hosea, uh, not only for the nation of Israel, but also a message for us. God's word, even though it was written and directed as Hosea is writing this word here to the nation of Israel, it, it is also up to date and current uh, for us. It's just like you were reading the daily newspaper. Uh, and, and so God's word, wherever you may study it, is always profitable. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And so when that was written by Paul uh, to the church in Rome in Romans 15 verse 4, he was mostly talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, there were a few of the books that had been written, the Gospels that had been written by the time he begins to write his letters that are being circulated uh, in the letter to the church at Rome. But primarily he's talking about all those books in the Old Testament. What was written in former days was written for our instruction, through endurance, through encouragement, that we might have hope. So there is a message for us. I think really the more you study Hosea, and study the minor prophets that these messages have probably more application and are more relevant uh, to, for, for where it seems to us that America is and Christian America is than all of the books uh, of our Bible. So we're going to talk about this book for several weeks together. So I just want to lay uh, the verses before you and share with you from the pages of Hosea here this greatest love story of all. I want you to see first the setting. The setting. That's what we read in verse 1. You know, we date things by days and months and years. This is January the 4th, to the year 2023. That's the way we date time. But many times in the Bible, they dated things according to the kings, whoever was reigning at that particular time. So you'll see many times in the Old Testament prophets, they'll say, and in the days of 
King Hezekiah or in the days of King Josiah or as we see here Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah and in the days of Jeroboam the son of Joash, king of Israel. And so that's the way they dated time by according to the kings who reigned in that particular time. This setting in, in which Hosea prophesied and wrote his book was the time of a divided kingdom among the people of God. You'll notice in that one verse that it mentions the nation of Israel where Jeroboam's the king, and then it mentions these others uh, who have been king, Uzziah, Ahaz, Jotham, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Judah's the southern kingdom. Uh, Israel is the northern kingdom. It, this is after the days of Solomon. If you remember the story of, of David and then the story of his son Solomon, right after the reign of Solomon, there's a great division that happens, a civil break in the land. Uh, and so the kingdom was divided in two, and it was divided into a northern and a southern, the southern kingdom being Judah, the northern kingdom being Israel. Hosea tells us that he writes in the time when there were four kings during the reign of four kings in Judah in the south and one king in the north named Jeroboam. Now because we read this and because we can date those uh, kings, we know that this was somewhere in the 8th century before Christ, B.C. Somewhere in the, the 700s uh, B.C. before Christ, which would be the 8th century there. We know something about the setting we know something about the conditions of the times when we read this. Uh, the man Hosea uh, preached over a period of about 50 years. Uh, he preached in what we might call the, the last uh, lap, if you will, of, of sin, of, of iniquity, of the people of God. Uh, judgment is just ahead. The northern kingdom was going rapidly uh, into captivity. The southern kingdom, uh, not too long, is going to be behind them. Uh, going into captivity with the Babylonians that we'll see later. Uh, so Hosea is writing in a setting that was very, very sig uh, significant in the time of their history. Charles Dickens, when he wrote his book, A Tale of Two Cities, at the beginning of his book, do you remember what that phrase is? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Well, that was fitting for this setting. Uh, that statement could well be made of the days in which Hosea preached. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times in, in that it was a time of material prosperity. Uh, you read, if you look at 2 Kings chapter 14 through 17, uh, you read something about the days in which Hosea was prophesying, and we know that there was tremendous prosperity in the land. The economy was strong. They had entered into to certain international alliances that had brought great wealth and, and income to the land. It was a time where socially there was a great progress being made in many areas. But alongside that prosperity, there were also signs of social uh, disintegration. Uh, it, it was a time when there was bloodshed and, and there was murder. It was a time of drunkenness. It was a time of sexual immorality. It, you can't help but make the applications to us even today in our own world today and in our own society here in America when you read about the people of God at this particular time. We're living in a time of uh, great economic prosperity. You know, we realize that in the last few years. Uh, it's been a great time of economic prosperity, but this last year has been rough uh, economically. This year has started off, and it doesn't look like it's going to be a whole lot better economically. Uh, but we have been living in prosperous times. Uh, we're concerned about recession, but we know we've been living in those great prosperity uh, years recently. It's also a time when there's international upheavals, uh, even today. 
Uh, we're wondering about what's going on and what's going to continue to happen in Eastern Europe, uh, the Middle East, uh, the Far East, uh, with China, uh, Taiwan, those areas. Uh, we're wondering what's going to take place over there. It's a time uh, where, where socially people are living in, in, in finer homes and finer places. They have more and more gadgets in their homes, and yet there's less home life uh, than there's probably ever been before. It was the best of times, and in America, we could say in some ways, it's the best of times, and in some ways, uh, it was, it's material prosperity we see, but it's also the worst of times. It was the worst of times for Hosea and the land there because it was a time of, of, of spiritual promiscuity. Uh, we see that God's people, uh, and indeed they were God's people, they were in a special relationship with God. Uh, these weren't just in any ordinary nation of people, they were God's chosen people. God had laid his hands upon them. God had brought them uh, out of Egypt and brought them across the wilderness, brought them to the promised land, established them in the promised land, and then they just threw it all away because of their lifestyle and the things that they were doing. Uh, God had laid his hands upon them. They were his peculiar treasure, the Bible says. They were to belong to him. They were to love him. They were to serve him. And they were to have no other gods before him. Yet when you read the times, it was the worst of times because there was a complete indifference to God on the part of God's people. The people of God were flirting after the gods of the land. Uh, they had lived in the land of Canaan, and Canaan had begun to influence them uh, more and more rather than them influencing the nations around them. Uh, there were gods on every hand, and, 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 and of those gods, uh, there was the god Baal. Uh, we see Baal rearing his ugly head all throughout the book of Hosea. Uh, as we get into it, it was a time in which uh, the people of God had wandered away from the Lord. It was a time of spiritual promiscuity, a time of spiritual adultery. The Bible has a word for that, and we find it in verse 2. When you read verse 2, verse 2 says, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom. And have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Three times. You know, anytime you see a word, and we've talked about this before, when you study scripture and you see a word that's repeated multiple times in one verse, much less in a, in a small section of verses, it's an important word. And so it's an important word there that we're seeing as he uses that word to describe the spiritual condition uh, of the people. Uh, it designates the spiritual immorality uh, of the people. It's a word that describes their spiritual unfaithfulness uh, of God's people to God. And so even though the land was a prosperous land, it was becoming a spiritual harlotry. And so it was the best of times, but it was also the worst of times. Uh, so I wonder as we look through this, does God have a message for us in the book of Hosea? I wonder if God has something to say even for our nation. And if God has something to say for our churches, and if God would speak to your heart and to my heart even tonight, is there a message for us in this setting? Notice the storyline that begins there in verse 2. So let's read verse 2 again. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So this gives us the story, uh, what the story is all about. It's a rather amazing story, wouldn't you agree? God always has a word 
God always has his man. Sometimes uh, God gave his word uh, in an unusual way. In those days when God's people wouldn't hear uh, the, the, their, with their ears the message of the Lord, then sometimes uh, God would use the prophets and would act out their, they would act out their message in their own life. Uh, you'll remember Jeremiah uh, walks around uh, with some stocks on himself uh, naked as he walks around to give a, an image of the message God has told him to share to the people. Well, Hosea is going to live out his message. Uh, it, this is what's going to take place in the life of Hosea. So look at the particulars of this story in that second part there uh, of verse 2. It says there, literally God is saying to Hosea, he's saying to him, go and marry a girl who's a prostitute. Now right there, we've already got into verse 2 and we've got problems. And this has given Bible students problems for, for centuries and for years. Uh, it's so unlike what God is. Here's God who gives an astonishing command to one of his preachers, to one of his prophets. I want you to go and to marry a prostitute. There have been all kinds of attempts to try to wiggle around uh, what this statement is. Some people say, well, he's using an allegory. It's not a literal story. It didn't really happen. Yet when you read the language, it's very clear. The language is literal language. In fact, when you get into verse 3, uh, he specifically gives the name of the girl he's to marry and tells uh, who her father is. Uh, so when you look at uh, verse 3, you're going to see that. Uh, we'll read that verse in a little bit later here. Uh, there are others, though, who have tried to do it this way. Uh, they've said what happened was that God told Hosea to marry this girl, but at the time, he didn't know she was a prostitute. And Hosea is looking back on the experience and is saying, I didn't know this at the time uh, that she was a prostitute. God knew it, but I didn't know it. Now, that may ease the situation a little bit, but we're still faced with the astonishing truth in the verse here, verses here of Scripture that God tells one of his prophets, one of his preachers, to go marry a girl who's a prostitute. So think about that. You know, let me modernize the story for you a little bit and just bring this story into the modern world with your imagination. Think about Hosea as a young preacher, uh, just beginning to preach. Like all the preachers, he needs a wife. Uh, and so Hosea is talking to the Lord about it, and he says, Lord, uh, you've called me to preach, and, and every preacher needs a good wife. And the Lord says, well, I've got a good wife for you. The Lord says, uh, says Hosea, I, I agree with you. You do need a wife. I've already picked her out. Her name is Gomer. Uh, I'll show her to you in the marketplace tomorrow. So here's Hosea. He's all eyes. He's, he, 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 God has picked out his wife. Uh, let me, by the way, stop here and just say, for those, most of you have already gotten past this point in life, but there may be those who are watching uh, online. Uh, let God be the one who chooses your mate. Teach your children to let God be the one who chooses your mate. The Bible says when God created Adam, he brought Eve to him. Let God pick out your mate. Well, the next day, uh, Hosea, he could hardly wait to get to the marketplace or what we might call the mall uh, today. He was going to meet his bride-to-be uh, in the mall. Sure enough, in a little while, while he's walking down uh, through the mall there, he looks ahead and God says, there she is. That's Gomer. And he says, uh, and, and so Hosea here, uh, he's a preacher boy. He's never seen anything like her in all his life. Uh, that was the most gorgeous, the most beautiful girl. Yabba dabba doo. He thought, this is it. This is, this is it. His eyes are all googly-eyed googly over. Uh, the Lord whispers into his heart, and he says, But now, Hosea, what you need to understand is she's a prostitute. 
Hosea may be thinking, someone that beautiful? She can be that way. Sometimes we say that love is blind. Love is blind, but sometimes love is also brainless. <laughs> Maybe Hosea said, I think I misunderstood. The Lord didn't really mean it that way. Uh, nobody that beautiful. Sometimes we misunderstand outward beauty uh, for inward beauty. Uh, just because somebody's beautiful on the outside doesn't mean they're beautiful on the inside. And yet God told Hosea, that's the one that you're going to marry. Now, understand this before we go any further. This passage is descriptive, not prescriptive. What do I mean by that? It's describing what happened to the situation. It's not giving a prescription to us to go out and do likewise. <laughs> so understand that when you read these verses here. This is only descriptive here. Uh, so could you just imagine his bewilderment? Imagine the contradictions that must have come up in his mind as he begins to talk to Gomer, as they begin to date. He just falls head over heels, madly in love with this girl. And we're going to see just how madly in love he is with her. But one night he says to her, Gomer, I, I love you, I want to marry you, but there are some problems here. And she says, I know, Hosea, I haven't been all that I should have been. I, I want you to know I'm going to do better. And, and she says, I, I want you to, I, I want to be a, a part of your faith. Uh, baptize me uh, in one of the services. And so the, the marriage is arranged. She comes forward in the service. She's baptized. And yet in the back of his head, he remembers what God said. Go and marry a girl who's a prostitute. The greatest love story ever told. That's the storyline, the particulars of the story. Now notice he tells us the purpose of the story in the rest of verse 2. So read verse 2 again. He says, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom or a prostitute and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So that word for there... Uh, is, is the conjunction there that ties the two things together. What God has said for him to do, why? Because, you could actually use the word because instead of the word for there. Uh, the Lord's saying to Hosea this, uh, this will illustrate the way my people have been untrue to me by worshiping other gods. He's saying, Hosea, I I'm going to show through this experience in your own life that my people have departed from me. They've been untrue to me, uh, and they're worshiping uh, the gods. The Bible talks in terms of spiritual unfaithfulness. In the Old Testament, we're specifically told that the children of Israel were to be the bride of Jehovah. The Lord said in Jeremiah chapter 3, in verse 14, he says, Return, all faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. Uh, in other versions, it says there that I am your husband, I am wedded to you. Uh, in the New Testament, we're told that as believers, we're the bride of Christ. Uh, and so we see that in our own lives, uh, that we're to be the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And so he's talking about our spiritual relationship there. Betrothed meaning engaged. So Israel was married to God. God's people today are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to him, we're married to him, and the Bible warns us to be faithful to him. Now understand Israel, he says, the reason all this is going to happen, Hosea, is because Israel has been unfaithful to me. When they began to worship other gods and when they began to flirt around with other gods, they were guilty of spiritual immorality, of spiritual unfaithfulness. 
and, and spiritual immorality there. The, the Bible tells us, as born-again believers, that we're to be totally faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're unfaithful to the Lord and we begin to follow after this world, we are guilty of spiritual adultery. In fact, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things of this world. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So when you're unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible's word for it is whoredom or spiritual immorality, spiritual adultery, spiritual prostitution. Probably the greatest sin there is uh, against God is the sin of unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness is a sin against love. And the reason adultery in the marriage relationship today is such a serious sin is because it's a sin against love. Because when a man is unfaithful to his wife, he has sinned against her love. When a wife is unfaithful to her husband, she has sinned against his love. And so uh, we are to be uh, faithful in that relationship with him. Uh, adultery rips the love relationship. And the Bible says God is a jealous God. And God will not take it lightly when we're spiritually unfaithful to him. But here's the third thing I want you to see tonight, and that's the shame. Not only the setting and the storyline, but the shame in verse 3 down through verse 11. So verse 3 begins and says, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So what a shameful story this is. They get married. In the back of Hosea's mind, he remembers that God says she's going to be a prostitute, but she's promised him that she's going to try to do a little better. Uh, they begin a marriage, and it's not long until they get word that, that Gomer's going to have a baby. Uh, and they, they have her down in our terms today to do the sonogram. It's going to be a boy. That's what we find out in verse 3 down to verse 5. So she conceives, she bears him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. Now, Jezreel is a name that you're going to see all throughout the Old Testament, the Valley of Jezreel. So keep that in the back of your mind. It comes from this right here. So the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel and in the Valley of Jezreel. Uh, she can, and so we see there first she conceives this boy. Uh, in Bible days, names had a meaning. They gave children names that had meanings. You can tell uh, a great deal about a nation by the names uh, of the children. So he was to name this first boy uh, Jezreel here. Uh, Jezreel, Jezreel means literally God scatters. God scatters. And we're going to learn here something about spiritual unfaithfulness. There's a historical fulfillment of this because God was basically predicting to Israel, uh, you're on your way out, judgment is coming. It's just a matter of time uh, before it gets here. Uh, and so uh, as we see here, uh, 
the, the punishment is coming. The name of this child uh, is there to, to remind them uh, of that. Uh, it's just a matter of time, and that's what God's predicting. The Old Testament prophecy uh, that was made right here, he's saying, I'm going to avenge the, the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. Uh, if you remember uh, the story uh, of Jehu, uh, Jehu, uh, Jehu is uh, the or Jezreel, the story of Jezreel. Jezreel was a town. It's the royal residence of Ahab, King Ahab, and his wife. Do you remember her name? Jezebel. Uh, God used this man, Jehu, to judge Ahab and Jezebel, but he went overboard, and he did it with a vengeance. So Jezreel became a place which illustrated the judgment of God. God said judgment is on the way for Israel. And so God's judgment uh, is coming here, uh, and so we see that as this judgment is coming, uh, God is bringing uh, this upon the people here. Let me get down to my notes here. Uh, we find out that captivity is on the way for Israel, which is the northern kingdom, but it's fixing to follow soon for the southern kingdom also. Uh, so he names him there, God scatters. Now Hosea knows something isn't right. He doesn't know exactly what it is, uh, but something's going on here uh, in the household. He, he just didn't understand exactly yet uh, what all's happening here. Uh, but he knows something isn't just right uh, with, with, uh, with Gomer here and the relationship that he has with her. It still hasn't clicked, if you will, uh, with the light bulb uh, coming on. And, and so as he uh, caught, they have this child, uh, the, it's kind of like if we put it in today's uh, terms, uh, he doesn't know exactly what it is. The phone rings. He picks it up, and Pastor Hosea's resident, and then a click on the other end. Uh, emails start coming, and, and texts start coming, and, and they're coded, and he can't really understand what's going on. Uh, Gomer's been going to the mall, and she's been staying later and later, and she comes back with excuse after excuse uh, that just doesn't really uh, hold together. Uh, and so now this first boy is born, and his name is Jezreel. God scatters. That says to us that spiritual unfaithfulness always scatters. Sin always scatters. In Psalm chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says that the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And so sin always scatters a life. Sin takes a life uh, and scatters it to pieces. Sin takes a family uh, and scatters it uh, into pieces. And so if you remember the story of the prodigal son, he left his father's house. And the Bible says he went into a far country and he wasted his, uh, his substance with riotous living. That word wasted there means to take wheat and throw it up in the air and the wind blows it. It means he blew his life. Sin doesn't cause you to live your life. Sin causes you to blow your life, uh, to lose your life. And so, as we're going to see here, uh, that's exactly what happens here. Uh, it, it scatters everything that you have. Uh, so the time came when the prodigal son found himself in the hog pen, and the judgment came, and no man came and gave to him. Sin scatters. Spiritual unfaithfulness scatters. Uh, and we see that as you continue reading on. Uh, verse 6 she conceived again and bore a daughter. 
And so we see that she bears uh, this daughter in, in verse 6 there. Uh, and the Lord said to her, call her name, uh, No Mercy. Now, in, in some versions, it'll give you uh, her name as Lo Ruma, which means no mercy, means no pity. Uh, Hosea is getting more and more suspicious. In the back of his mind, he remembers what God has said about his wife, Gomer, uh, that she's a prostitute. Now they've named this second little girl, No Pity. There's no pity for this precious little girl. It's saying in the historical context that Israel is getting itself to the place where God is about to withdraw his mercy from them. The mercy of God is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful truth about the love of God. But the Bible talks not only about God's mercy, it also talks about God's wrath. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 22, it says, Note, it says, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. God's mercy upon us is unconditional, but our enjoyment and experience of that mercy of God is conditional upon our faithfulness to the Lord and our obedience to him. Some people put themselves outside the mercy of God. And so when you come to verse uh, 7, uh, you read there that it says, but I will have mercy. So he says, no mercy, but the next verse he says, I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. Uh, and so uh, she comes and she conceives and bears this child. So Judah wasn't far along down the line uh, as Israel. He's saying that Judah uh, has still kept themselves under the mercy of God uh, and I'm still going to save them. The question for us is, where are we tonight? Where are we in America? Are we under God's judgment or are we under God's mercy? Are we under uh, God's goodness? Or are we under his severity? Are we Israel or are we Judah? Is America too far gone? Well, God says this in verse 7 to Judah. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow or by sword or by horse, uh, war or by horse or by horsemen. But he is going to save them. And so he's saying uh, that, that you have to know where your salvation is coming from. You have to know where your help comes from. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. So if you think about salvation uh, that is coming from Wall Street, uh, then you don't understand. If you think salvation is coming in America is going to come because there's a particular uh, political party in, in the administration, uh, you don't understand. Uh, about salvation. If, if you think the salvation of America is government, you don't understand salvation. The Bible says our only hope is in the Lord. He's our only hope. He's who we need. He is the Lord. There, but notice, no pity. It simply says that spiritual unfaithfulness brings severity to your life. But then we read in verse 8 uh, down through verse 9, a third child. Here's the third child. Verse 8 says, When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bare a son. So she had a son first, she had a daughter, now she has another son. And the Lord said in verse 9, Call his name, not my people, or lo ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. 
So do you see the progression in the names here of these children? Uh, and, and, you know, Jezreel being scattered, uh, the, the Lo-Rumah being no mercy, Lo-Ami being uh, you're not my people. Uh, and so you begin to see the progression here uh, that happens. Literally, that, lo, that word Lo-Ami means no kin of mine. And it's almost like now, poof, the light bulb goes on in Hosea's mind. It dawns on him. He sees what's going on. Hosea, in our day, it would be like Hosea taking the baby down to the hospital. They do the DNA test. It's kind of like an episode of Dr. Phil or one of those kind of shows. The doctor says to Hosea, Hosea, Gomer is the boy's mother, but you're not his daddy. And the awful reality claps like a thunder on the heart of Hosea. And he has finally come to understand what God told him all along those years ago. He's married a common prostitute. She's not mine. This boy is not my boy. There's going to be a meeting at the house of Hosea. We're going to read about that later. But notice what God says in verse 10 and in verse 11. Yet the number of the children of Israel... So even in the worst of the worst is bad. But it says, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and they shall appoint for themselves one head and they shall go up from the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel, the day of the scattering. Wow. And so what we see here is you find that every time God gives a message of judgment through Hosea, he always comes right back with a message of hope. There's a, a promise that the day would come when the children of Israel would be so numerous you couldn't even count them. They would be like the grains of the sand on the sea. They couldn't be measured or numbered. He says it's going to come to pass that in a place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it's going to be said to them at that same place, you are the sons and the daughters of the living God. In verse 11, the same thing is basically said again. He's saying that God has a message of hope even in the midst of unfaithfulness of God's people. Let me ask you as we close to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Because there's a great promise I want to show you how God took this man, Simon Peter, and in his letter that he writes, he goes right back to the book of Hosea and gives a wonderful promise to those who will come to the Lord. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galia, uh, Gal Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So the dispersion, the scattering, uh, there is the name, what? Jezreel. And then, as you go to verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied uh, to you. Uh, and so, as you begin to read here, uh, you begin to see, uh, when you look over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and, and verse 10, 
which that's not the right verse that I have on the screen. Let me just read to you. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, which is lo a me, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, that's lo ruhama, but now you have received mercy. That's first Peter chapter 2, verse 10, using that very same language about the nation of Israel out of Hosea's book. He's saying here that if we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll experience God's mercy. And even though you may be a nobody in Jesus Christ, you can become a somebody to God. That's grace. That's the gospel. Here's God's message from the preacher who married a prostitute. It's God's message that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're married to him. It's like we've been in a wedding service with him. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you were basically saying, I take you, Jesus, to be my lawful wedded husband. He was saying, I take you, sinner, to be my lawful wedded wife, to love and to cherish from this day forward. God says, be true to him, be faithful to him. That's why it's such a sad, serious word in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4 when the Lord Jesus said, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. It's an awful thing to be spiritually unfaithful to the Lord Jesus. Just think about that and the situations that maybe you've even seen in our day. You know, where are you tonight? Are you in a relationship with Jesus and do you mean that relationship with him? Are we under God's goodness or are we under God's severity? This is the greatest love story of all time. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. It is the greatest love story of all time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the message from this passage. And Father, I pray that as we have begun just to lay the foundation and the groundwork here uh, for this wonderful book, Lord, I pray uh, that you will help us to realize where we are each and every day. Lord, that if we begin to stray to the right or to the left in any way, in any shape, in any form, Lord, bring conviction upon our hearts to bring us back into a right relationship with you. Lord, bless us in the days ahead, and may this message speak truth into our hearts and into our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for joining with us there uh, online. We'll be back this Sunday morning with our regular services, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, Sunday school, Sunday morning. So come and join us. We'll be back in the life of Jesus. But you have a blessed week. You stay safe, and we'll see you this Sunday, uh, 9, uh, 915 for Sunday school, uh, 1030 for worship. You come and join us.